Stand by for a start. Racing. At $210,000 at Isella Done. Well done. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of The Shortlist, the official podcast of the Federation of Bloodstock Agents Australia. This podcast is, as always, brought to you by our fantastic sponsors, IRT and Stable Financial. Joining me today with a bit of a different episode, we're going to take a look at a farm in focus and helping to steer the conversation as we look at the reinvention of Victoria's Musk Creek Farm is FBAA President Craig Roundsville from Boomer Bloodstock. Craig, good afternoon. How are you? Very well, Shaggy. And of course, you can't have a conversation about a farm without talking to the people that are owning and running the farm. So joining us is the Musk Creek owner, David Kobritz. Hello, Sharky. And also Scott Williamson, who runs the farm day to day. What is your official title, Scott? Farm manager, Sharky. Farm manager. You've got to be careful sometimes because some people put these glorious titles on things, but you're a very humble man. So I like to keep things simple. Hands on and simple. Farm manager. Absolutely. And you've been there for, you've been with Musk Creek now for, Six years. Six years now, yeah. Fantastic. So I guess before we go forward and and look at where the farm is now, where it's moved from, we we probably need to start, David, with where Musk Creek started. What was your initial involvement in racing? Why did you start the property? Uh, What was your passion to to get involved with breeding horses? Well, I've owned horses for 40-odd years. And uh, fortunately, he uh, had a fair bit of success early days with uh, Sub-Zero and Dan Zero and really got into the breeding side when uh, Dan Zero uh, was sold to Arrowfield after uh, his three-year-old year after he won the slipper. And I kept my share in the horse and went off uh, for the ride with Arrowfield for the next 15 odd years, which was fantastic, but uh, started collecting mares. Thought it was very simple and easy and uh, ended up with uh, a lot of substandard mares all over the country. So uh, one day Theresa and I said, well, let's try and consolidate this and buy our own property outside Melbourne and bring the mares into into one location. And uh, so we looked around uh, the Gamby Seymour closer in to the north and then uh, started looking at the peninsula and thought, well, that's the place we want to be. It's only an hour out of Melbourne. It's a pretty good lifestyle and stumbled across an old run-down cattle farm at uh, Musgrave Road in Flinders and bought it in 2008. So then uh, <clears throat> spent uh, probably the next five years turning it into a... Uh, uh, broodmare farm and uh, it's been a labour of love ever since. You mentioned you, said you sort of ended up, I guess, by default following your horse. It goes to start, you buy mares to support it. How quickly can things get snowballing on you <laughs> when you're in that position, when you've got a sort after young stallion and you think, oh, this is easy, as you say? It looks very easy on the outside and, you know, being a novice, we thought... Uh, you know, we'll make the easy decision and go for the ride, but it's far from easy. It's a business in itself that needs uh, a lot of uh, expertise and hand-holding along the way. So uh, you learn the hard way. So your business background, it's not in, you're not in racing. That's not a business part. It's always been a pastime for you. So exactly. you make the decision to go and buy a farm. 
how do you go about setting it up? Who did you reach out to for help in those early days? And how easy was it to get help? Well, uh, I had uh, some advice from Tim Stewart, bloodstock agent at the time. Tim uh, lives down at the peninsula. So uh, uh, I was offered the property. I called Tim up and said, go and have a look at this place, see if you think it's uh, the right sort of property. Tim called me back and uh, said, just buy it. It's perfect. It's undulating. It's probably the right size and uh, uh, you'll never lose it. So that was the property decision, wasn't the horse decision. So from that point, you, you buy a farm, you start to turn it from a rundown cattle farm to a horse property without putting a round figure on on numbers. I think from the outside, people think it's it's easy to go and do that, just to buy a property and set it up. Oh, what's a bit of fencing cost, everything else. But what sort of investment is involved in in setting up well, a, a thoroughbred property? Yeah, it's, it's very substantial because uh, you virtually have to start from a blank canvas apart from the capital cost of buying the place and then you've got to look at fencing and stables and accommodation for staff and uh, uh, and then uh, all the infrastructure, the roads and the water supply and everything else. So as I said, it was a labour of love for about five years to get it to a point where it could uh, it could function and then build it up from there. And uh, uh, we uh, quickly found out that uh, our uh, broodmare band at the time, which was probably 37, 38 mares, was not up to scratch and we had to bring in some external expertise to get us on the right track. What was the, I guess, what drove you at that point when, when you've got that you're pretty exposed. You've, you've just invested in a, in a property and developing the property. Then you're looking at your mares and the stark reality that, hey, we need to be better than what we are. Was it ever, or was there ever a moment in that period where you thought, this is a bit hard? You know, maybe maybe we just get out of this. Well, you've got to have deep pockets. And uh, fortunately, you know, I've had a fairly successful property development business. And uh, in many ways, I call the farm my therapy away from my real world. And uh, so uh, there's quite a bit of pressure in the in the property development game. And uh, the farm was and is a great escape from uh, the day-to-day realities of uh, property development. So, uh, but you've got to go into it realistically and you get to a point where you say, well, is this a hobby and we'll just go with the flow and uh, and enjoy things as they are or do we want to play in the breeding game seriously? And so we made the choice and, and therefore you've got to invest more capital to to get to that level. So, Scott, the, the property kicks off in 2008 or the property's purchased and, it, and it's developed from that point at you got involved six years ago, so that puts it sort of 2017, that sort of, or yep. 2016. When you come on board, and previous to that, where where were you working and, and what attracted you to, to Musk Creek and, and the project at hand? Um, I'd obviously, just prior to Musk Creek, I'd, uh, I was managing Yulong um, when they first established themselves in Australia, um, which was a great experience for me. Got to meet a lot of people. Um, but what drew me to Musk Creek was um, just the 
boutique nature of it, the obviously the locations are very appealing. But I, I, I met with David. Uh, I liked what he was talking about with the farm and what the aims and ambitions were um, for the property and the horses. And um, it was very appealing um, for me uh, to try and aim, aim the farm in a direction where it's a boutique high class uh, and focus really on details. So that's that's what really drew me to it. I think that, that word boutique's often thrown around in the industry, isn't it? People sort of say they're boutique and then you have a look and have their stock numbers and they're, if, if it's boutique, then, you know, it's a pretty big boutique. How hard is it to successfully run a volume business, do you think, in horse breeding in Australia? Do you think it's it's doable or do you, do more businesses probably need to consolidate and bring it back to the, you know, boutique level, for lack of a better term? Especially more so at the moment. I, yeah. think, um, I think numbers at the moment can be... Can be an issue as we're seeing around around the sales that lower end market's obviously quite a problem. Um, so I think to a point it's almost an advantage for a smaller farm with lo- less numbers and a higher quality um, going forward. I think it's uh, it's probably the safest place to be um, in the market. When it comes to the transport of your valuable thoroughbreds, look no further than IRT, the world leader in horse transport. IRT has serviced the international market for almost 50 years with offices in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, the UK and the USA. Their experienced staff are with you and your horse at every step of the journey. IRT are proud to support the FBAA in enhancing and promoting the Australian thoroughbred market. IRT, your horse, our passion. Adam Timms here. Stable Financial has been helping thoroughbred businesses since before GST started and we enjoy some incredible long-standing client relationships. We're very happy to support FBAA and its reputable network of advisors. As the Bloodstock agents facilitate trading opportunities, the stable makes sure that horse owners, breeders, trainers and syndicators are getting Group 1 business and tax advice. Please visit our website and get in touch with our awesome team at the stable. See how we can add value to your horse business and let you focus on finding winners rather than worrying about it. So once you get your feet under the, the table or, or behind the tractor, as farm manager of the property, uh, when do you start to think more strategically about the stock that you've got on hand, where the plan is for the owners, how you can achieve that plan? When do you start to forensically analyse what what's laid out in front of you? Yeah, most it takes a little bit of time. You don't want to come in the first week and and turn around to your new, your new boss and say, look, we need to make drastic changes, but you sort of have to assess the stock, um, see what see what the mares are producing, what you have there, and, and sort of delve into it a bit further. But um, you know, we we certainly knew we had to make some changes, and and you know, with with the help of um, Boomer, we've we've sort of approached David and said, look, this is this is where we see you, and this is sort of how we're going to get there. Um, so no, it was it, it, we took a little bit of time to assess the stock and, and make sure we we're making the right decisions going forward. And that's a fact of the industry, isn't it? You know, a mare's in foal, that foal's born, and yes, you're assessing them all the time from you know foal, weanling, yearling stage. But until they go and race, and sometimes that's a three or four year period, you've still got that mare. You've still committed to breeding from the. It, it's it's not a. It's not an easy task, is it, that assessment on the run? There's a number of different variables, you know, let alone, oh, that's a nice foal, we'll keep it, or that foal's not as good as we hope for. That's 
Let's yeah. maybe have a look at them. Oh, there. more, you more, have to give them a chance. There's more pieces to the puzzle. Um, so it's yeah, you can't just go in straight away and just make a sweeping statement. I say you've got to go through a process of looking at everything the mayor's produced and and doing a bit bit a bit bit more background on that because obviously you're going in with fresh eyes and which in itself is probably a good thing. You're going with a fresh set of eyes and assessing it. Um, but yeah, you, it's it's a process you have to work through. David, are those conversations easy to have when you've got a, a, a new manager on and they're starting well, to form an opinion about I different think, aspects of the fight? I think once you make the strategic decision to uh, have a commercial business operating at the farm, uh, you've got to make those decisions. You've just got to draw the line and say, well, these mares are just not good enough for, uh, for that type of farm. And... Uh, that's where Boomer came in and, uh, you know, probably said two-thirds of our mares weren't good enough and the third were worth keeping and then you put a plan in place over three, four, five years to sell down those mares that aren't quite good enough and uh, and acquire uh, better mares. And it may be that, you know, we've settled on a number of, say, 20-odd mares that we uh, think... Uh, um, the farm should have at a at a high level, at a high standard. And, you know, for every four or five that we sold, we bought one good one. And we're still in that process. I mean, farms never stop selling down at the bottom end, but, uh, you know, we had to draw the line and, and make a pretty drastic decision as to that's what we we're going to do and we we're going to do it over the next three or four years. Boomer, when you got involved... Uh, these sort of conversations. I imagine that can be pretty challenging. How often are you having these conversations as a bloodstock agent? How often do farms or how open are farms to really hearing where they're at as a business? Well, I think um, when David got me involved, he was ready to make a, you know, make a change. So it was mainly just about sitting down, getting to know what David's goals were, you know, sort of what he wanted to achieve from this business and, and also what did success look for, like for him in 10 years' time. So from that, uh, it became very obvious that he was uh, on the same page where I wanted to, you know, my belief in how his successful breeding operations work, where we get into higher class, good families, breeding to proven stallions and taking all the luck out of it, you know, putting yourself in a you know really strong position. And David was... Once it was explained, you know, move away from pin hooking and just focus on building a really strong quality broodmare band. Because I know when I go to the yielding market, that's what my clients now that that's what they want to buy, and that's really whether you make the money at the yielding sales too. The, the 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 numbers that people spend on yearlings out of those high quality mares is significantly more than at that lower end, and and they're the sort of stats that you keep. I'd imagine as an agent, you're well across not only. What families are are in demand? What stallions are in demand? But those that next level of information about average prices and average spend and who's spending them and perhaps where they're going in the market and how you can continue to meet their need that's that'd be a factor as well. Yeah, and it's also too like you you have to um, do things that where you might lose out commercially in the short term. Say breeding a first year stallion that are unproven stallions. Yeah, you you might make some big hits in the souring, but yeah, nine out of 10 stallions aren't going to cut the mustard over the long term. So not only is that going to hurt your broodmare band, it's going to hurt your graduates' records. So 
you know, looking at these long-term plays and strategies where we're looking at things over, you know, more of a 10-year period, um, yeah, it's going to set the farm, you know, so far in advance of your competition. If you can hold the line and, and keep sticking to those goals, then, uh, which, you know, full credit to David, he has. Scott, is it easier or hard to, to look outside the business for help? With, with somebody, you're managing a farm. I imagine a lot of people say, oh, I can handle this. So oh, I know what a good mare looks like. Were you conscious of the fact that engaging somebody like Boomer, you know, an outside agent, having those fresh eyes on the business was a really important thing? Yeah, I think I think it's always good to seek that sort of help. I mean, obviously, Boomer's got a vast amount of experience, you know, not only... Um, in Australia, but globally, looking at pedigrees and 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 stock, you know, um, so he he's a got a wealth of knowledge to draw from. So that that working in with us has been has been a great experience for us, but it's been a great benefit um, at the sales and also with with our matings, etc. Every season, so no, it's been a massive help. Takes a bit of the workload off as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, I've only got so much so much free time. Um, so no, it's it's a massive help having. I say having Boomer, um, Boomer's eyes at the sales and and his knowledge and you know it's it's it takes a bit of pressure off me, which is good. But we we often discuss even when sales aren't on uh, and airs and future matings and 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 the stock that we have at the farm. So it's it's a it's a good um, sounding board to bounce ideas off each other and we seem to working well together. We had this conversation privately in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. Um, but without rehashing it in the detail that we did, like there's so many agents to choose from. Why did you and David and Teresa settle on uh, settle on Boomer? Well, Boomer's got a very good reputation um, for his, his ethics and his judgment. He's um, he's a very straightforward guy to deal with, and um, he's he's got a great um, eye for horses. So it was a pretty easy decision, I think, to to go along the lines with Boomer. Well, and I think also that. We needed someone who was involved in in the industry every day, had the right contacts, was attending all the sales both locally and internationally, and uh, and had you know this business is really a global business now. When you go to the sales here, there's so many international investors and buyers, so we uh, we rely very much on uh, Boomer's expertise and. Uh, and advice on a global basis, and uh, and uh, he's bought you know mares for us both in America and the UK. This the market's been exceptionally buoyant here. It's been difficult to buy mares uh, of the quality we're, we've been after, particularly the last few years. So you look overseas as well. Adam Timms here. Stable Financial has been helping thoroughbred businesses since before GST started, and we enjoy some incredible, long-standing client relationships. We're very happy to support FBAA and its reputable network of advisors. As the Bloodstock agents facilitate trading opportunities, the stable makes sure that horse owners, breeders, trainers, and syndicators are getting Group 1 business and tax advice. Please visit our website and get in touch with our awesome team at the stable. See how we can add value to your horse business and let you focus on finding winners rather than worrying about it. When it comes to the transport of your valuable thoroughbreds, look no further than IRT, the world leader in horse transport. 
IRT has serviced the international market for almost 50 years with offices in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, the UK and the USA. Their experienced staff are with you and your horse at every step of the journey. IRT are proud to support the FBAA in enhancing and promoting the Australian thoroughbred market. IRT, your horse, our passion. Boomer, as far as a phase plan is concerned, and you mentioned 10 years' time, how far ahead as an agent do you try and structure something, structure a plan, a strategic plan for, I guess, the, the growth or the regeneration of a farm? Yeah, a lot of it depends on how much investment the principal's willing to spend and... Um, and the, how, how quickly they are willing to adapt. And also, you know, buying is one thing, but you also have to have that same line with selling where you're moving mares on. Um, you know, we now at Musk Creek, any mare that enters the broodmare band has to be above halfway. Like, we don't want to be adding a broodmare that's below our. Mm. So we want to be adding mares in at the, at the higher end. At, um, and that not necessarily at price, but just where we deem um, quality. But I think... The big thing for the farm that's uh, starting to transpire now is these better mares that they've been investing in and is the results are happening on the track. And I think that's only going to, you know, continue to happen over the, the coming years. Um, but like David said, you still have to, to keep up. You still have to keep investing and, and bringing new mares into the in the broodmare band. But, uh, you know, I think they've taken massive strides in the last few years, you know, from, from where that when the change happened to um, to where they are now, yeah, it's, it's a big step. So take us on that timeline. You know, the results are starting to show on the track. So with the, the horses you're referring to, is this, are these the first foals of those new mares from your involvement that we're starting yeah, to they, see? Yeah, absolutely. They're only sort of three, you know, three rides now. So uh, I think that graduate's record from these new mares, it's going to be yeah, pretty juicy as it, as it comes on. And there's a whole, there's a brand, a, a bigger brand picture as well that goes with this reinvention, isn't there? There's, it's been a lot more, I guess, outward marketing of the farm, uh, logos. Am I right in saying the actual brand changed to a degree or that just became more apparent in marketing? But the, it seemed to be in alignment with, oh, I guess, that more outward Newgate, um, Yarraman, that style of here we are, this is what we're doing, this is the quality that we produce. And I think quality with a K was that might have been a, yeah. a little slogan at one point, at one Scott. Point, yes. Do you uh, think of that one? Uh, possibly. Uh, <laughs> even now, like getting, getting Kick Collective involved with their sales platform, like, you know, trying to increase transparency in the process and show that, you know, because inc increased transparency, I have a strong belief that's going to give buyers more confidence to... Uh, participate and increase you know their spend with with uh you know with the farms and we've got nothing to hide we want people to feel confident in buying our product so um we, we love the platform that kicks provide and the transparency with it so um you know we're, any any information we can give a buyer um we're more than happy to it's a wonder that i guess that transparency particularly around vet reports and i think correct me if i'm wrong but beamer was probably the first to really go to market with those um various vet reports on their yearlings to have them there readily available on websites so people can go and look form their own decisions if they want another vet to have a look at them they can but at least they've got multiple opinions on sets of x-rays are you a little surprised that more farms haven't taken that up and, and been more i guess I, I, forthcoming with that information 
I think so. I think I think over time, I think people are going to have to yeah. have to adapt because I, I think buyers are going to be seeking that information out more and and sort of attracted to those those farms that are transparent and and um, like you can provide all the information, you can pass that information on to the client you're purchasing for. I think uh, I think it's definitely the way the industry is going. Um, so I'm surprised people aren't on transitioning as quickly as they are, but I think they 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 will have to at some stage. I think that's a need for more transparency in the industry, which gives the buyers confidence. So it's it's evolving, but it will get there. I think across the board, the market will demand it. Have you seen uh, any change in that? I guess the transparency or the the ethical approach, David, since you've been involved in in racing and breeding, you know, particularly with, I guess, the the evolution of the FBAA and code of um, yeah. practice and whatnot. Have you seen that filtering out across the industry yeah. more widely? Yeah, very much so. I think it's talked about more and more, and it's as I said, it's demanded more and more, and it's across the whole industry, not only the the breeding industry, but the whole racing industry as well. So we're recording this at well, in the middle, basically, of the, the Magic Millions National Sales Series and, and the Broodmare Sale element is about to kick off in the next coming days. There's a number of quality mares, uh, as I know Musk Creek are chasing, that are coming off the track but are also in foal. Where's the value line in the market at the moment, do you think, Boomer, as, a fa- as far as Broodmare uh, markets are concerned? I think, uh, you know, when horses have performance without black tie, because, you know, you have to remember, um, you know, winning a Saturday race in Sydney and Melbourne typically can hold more weight than winning a stakes race in other jurisdictions. Um, so I think there's, there is some value there, you know, for, for getting a horse that may have, you know, higher up level of ability. Um, and then also, you know, looking sometimes these first years, when they're in fold of first year stands, they might create some more hype than... I'd rather the mayor that's in fold of the proven stand that gives the mayor the best chance. But um, I think, uh, like with all sales in the Australia right now, you're just hoping that uh, Mr. Zhang's not on the same marriage. <laughs> yeah, they've been incredible, haven't they? Yulong, I think, is has been the, the, the word on many lips in the sales season so far. And not only from a purchasing of bloodstock point of view, but also property as they continue to expand their their business. It's an incredible time. David, like the amount of investment that that organisation's putting in. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I guess on the one hand, it's uh, obviously very healthy for the industry. On the on the other hand, it's difficult for smaller players such as us to uh, to buy. But uh, you know, I like to think of the positive that uh, it is healthy for the industry, and uh, and there'll be long term benefits out of it. Especially if they can develop some stallions, because Victorian farms not having to travel your mares to the hunter, that would be a you know a big bonus. Do you have to up it a little bit this season because you long have been so active? Do you need to have a you know your team talk before the sale starts tomorrow? Do you say righto? We've seen them looking at horses that we've liked. We have to be that ten percent better, or do you just accept that? If you're in a head-to-head war, you... well, last at last year's sales, uh, we were uh, outgunned well and truly on uh, numerous occasions, and then uh, we had to up the ante uh, on one particular mare, which luckily we uh, we got. But 
you know, it's uh, I expect it might be the same again this uh, this week. Scott, is there a jewel in the crown for you? Is there a mare that you've bought in this period that that you've got really high hopes for, or perhaps above all others? Yeah, well, there's there's obviously been a few mares that we we've bought that have shown a bit of promise. Um, I think the 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 one that sort of stands out so far would be personalised. Um, she was purchased here at Magic Millions for five hundred twenty five thousand and in fold a spirit of boom. Um, and that subsequent yearling made 575,000. It's now called Spiritualized, and he's shown quite a bit of ability um, so far. And that mare's then gone on to produce a done deal that made 520,000, and then a zoo star this year up here at Magic Millions made 800,000, which is the highest priced yearling muskreek sold today. Um, so she she would be the, the standout so far, but we've got a couple of other mares that I think the likes of Apology Not Accepted and Ascertain and mares like that that are very excited about going forward. They're, they're your, uh, I guess, your, your first round draft picks and they filter out from there, I, I guess, don't they? And when they have fillies, is there a view to retain and and build on a family like that? Is that the approach? Yes, certainly that's a discussion we've had and, and trying to keep and develop these families that we've we bought into. I mean, there's a reason you buy into a family like personalised family you 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 want to keep it on the farm and 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 make it a you know a household name on uh, Musk Creek so um they're definitely the aims we have and that's the plan with those families at the same time uh you also want to reinvest and uh, and use the capital to buy the next good mare so you know there's a balancing act uh, that you got to assess each year Absolutely. It's, a, it's certainly a long-term play, isn't it? I think yep. any, anyone with the view that you just go to the sale, buy a nice mare and file and everything looks after itself, the, the, the <laughs> level of detail around that is it, just it, it's so it's such an ignorant point of view when you look at the, the depth of planning that goes into something like you know, the new Musk Creek. Well, David, you know, David and Scott mentioned all the time that these new mares, the quality of stock they're throwing as they walk around the farm, like it just, it's one thing that sticks out to them that, that I think encourages David to, you know, Stick to the to the program and keep you know marching on because the the quality of these better mares, you know, with these matings that are bought out and and really structured on tight, um, you know, the proof in the pudding. So oh, very much so for a, a layman like me compared to these guys, uh, uh, I can see it. You know, just the quality of the foals and that come out of these more recent mares is just chalk and cheese compared to the old stock we had. And you're smiling when you're saying that too. You must have great satisfaction that the plan that you're putting in place, it's bearing fruit. Well, I think so. And, you know, it's bearing fruit in the results we've had in the sales to date. And uh, we want to build that quality broodmare band for all the reasons we've spoken about for the future. Boomer, what's the biggest challenge? Things are, are heading the right way as an agent looking after this this business and helping to guide it. Uh, give us a score, you know, give us an A, B, C score so far and what's the biggest challenge for the next, you know, five years? I think it's like everything when you've got, uh, you know, a smaller farm, you don't have, it's like smaller stables, everything in this industry, you're reliant on on a smaller number of horses. So it's it's significantly important where those horses go. So you obviously you're, you're nice young mares, you're hoping they get into you know, good hands that look after them and give them every opportunity to to be successful. Um, 
you know, sourcing the right stock is continually hard. You know, the service fees, the pressure of service fees when we're, you know, trying to give those young mares every chance and then, you know, making economic sense of that. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day, David still has to run this as a business. So, um, you know, you've got those factors at play. But if you continue to just deal in good quality stock, I think, you know, your chances of success are, you know, significantly higher than, uh, you know, what they were before. The biggest challenge perhaps then is the competition in the ring for that quality stock. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, the market, you know, a number of players, a large number of players realise that, uh, you know, the yielding market, the big buyers will pay up for quality. So if you have the stock and you produce the goods, you know, what you're going to get rewarded in the sour ring as the yieldings is, is massive. So there's more people gravitating towards that um, part of the market. Quality with a K, right, Scott? Exactly. <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks very much for, for, for joining me and for sharing the insight into, into Musk Creek and what's been going on, I guess, behind the scenes uh, with the business the last few years. Boomer, David, Scott, thanks very much. Thanks, Sharpie. Pleasure. Thanks very much, Sharpie. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Shortlist. And remember, if you need help reinventing your farm, picking out some quality mares, or perhaps getting some guidance around the sales, visit bloodstockagents.com.au.